there. Welcome to From Skirts to Scrubs. I'm Alicia. And I'm Charlotte. And we are two medical students trying to figure out our place in medicine by looking to the past and to current events to try and understand the impact they have on us as women in medicine and women in general. Yeah, and you can find or follow us on social media. We have an Instagram and a Facebook, which are at From Skirts to Scrubs, and a Twitter, which is at FSTS underscore podcast. And check out our website for more information on our episode, show notes, sources, and more at scrubs.com. You can also subscribe um, to our podcast on any podcasting app that you like, and then you can also leave a rating and review. And Apple Podcasts and Spotify are great places to do that. So today we're going to be telling the story of a woman from Hindu mythology, and her name is Serpanika. So say it after me, Charlotte. Serpanika. Serpanika. Nice. Good. Okay. Okay. So Sir, I'm not totally incompetent. <laughs> you're not, I swear. You're not incompetent. <laughs> not all the time. <laughs> so Serpanika is a woman um, from the great epic known as the Ramayana, Ramayana, however you want to pronounce it. Um, are any of these words familiar to you, Charlotte? <laughs> no, unfortunately. Sick. So do you know anything about Serpanika besides what I just said to you? I don't know anything. I know a couple of things when we discuss the episode topic, but like not concrete things. I just, they're deep in the back of my mind. All right. So before I get into the story of Serpanika, I wanted to just give some precursor kind of things. So more than previous stories, this one requires a little bit more context to understand her role as a monster. So I'm going to tell part of the story of the Ramayana. And then the other thing is that, um, this telling of the story is kind of me piecing together different sources. And then it's also kind of how I remember the story from my childhood. And, and then also just big disclaimer here, I'm definitely pronouncing these words not correctly because I'm using my American accent because I speak American English. So I apologize in advance if I'm not pronouncing things correctly, I'm doing my best. Um, and hopefully the message still gets across. But yeah, I'm really excited about this episode. I know that that's not saying much because I literally picked the topic. But I remember growing up reading like the comic book, basically the comic book versions of the Ramayana. <gasps> I remember you telling me this. Yeah. With my parents, which is so fun. It's so fun. And this might be one of the like few stories that I like actually remember a lot from the beginning to the end of it. And I just have a lot of thoughts. I remember when I was growing up, I had a lot of thoughts about Serpanika and like kind of how I felt about her as a child. Um, but I'm excited to unpack that here in my adult life because I really have not thought about this that much. And then Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit of background on the Ramayana. So it's basically the shorter of two great epic poems that came out of India right. that were originally written in Sanskrit. And Ramayana translates to Rama's journey. And Rama is the god okay. that we're following in this story. If you couldn't tell, it's his journey. So mm-hmm. his story was written by this poet named Valmiki. And it consists of 24,000 couplets divided among seven books. So it's basically like Odyssey level epic here. But I, I mean, I think we should just dive in and I'll just tell you all about it. 
Yay, I want to hear the story. Okay. Our story begins in the kingdom of Ayodhya, where King Dasharath ruled with his three wives. And he had many joys, but one joy that he did not have was the joy of children. So he arranged for a ceremony to pray to the god Agni, the god of fire. And during the prayer, this god arose from the flames and he gave the king a golden vase filled with nectar. And he told him to give this nectar to his queens. So to the eldest wife, his first wife, he gave half the nectar. To his second wife, she got half of what was left. And then the third wife got the remaining nectar. And in due time, all three queens gave birth to sons. So the Ooh, eldest queen... That nectar worked good. I know. The eldest queen <laughs> had Rama, the kind of star of our story. The youngest queen had Bharat. And then the middle queen had twins, Lakshman and Shatrugana. Are you following? There's a lot of characters. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, so the princes grow up and there's like kind of fun like side story of how Ram like meets the love of his life, but I'm not gonna tell that story here. Basically just like him and his brother Lakshman go on this quest and then Ram does this impossible task and he wins the hand of a beautiful princess named Sita. And so then like him and Sita get married. It's great. And like fast forward, Mm -hmm. fast forward, fast forward in time. The king is now too old to rule anymore. Speed roll. Yeah. He's too old to rule anymore. And he's like, okay, I'm done. Hands over his crown to Rama. And since he's the oldest and like the crown prince, it like makes most sense to go to him. You know, like all that generational royal bloodline jazz. Yeah. But psych, that's not happening because apparently many years ago, the youngest wife apparently saved the king's life in this big war that was happening at the time. And when she saved his life, he promised her at that time two wishes, two boons, as they say. Mm-hmm. And so now, all these years later, Rama's about to be king. The queen calls in her boons. She's like, it's, it's time to collect. She's been waiting. She, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know if she even knew she was waiting for this moment, but she was because she has her two wishes. The first wish is to make her son, Bharata, the king of Ayodhya. The second wish was to exile Rama to the forest for 14 <gasps> years. What? <laughs> what does she have against him? Apparently there's like another side story of how this nursemaid was like evil and like convinced her to do this because she was jealous. That doesn't matter to this story. But oh my God. yeah, so Rama is like supposed to be exiled. And the king at first is like, no way. Like, I literally don't care if this is your boon. Like this, no, I'm not sending away my oldest and favorite son. But Rama is a man of honor. In fact, it's thought that he is the reincarnation of like one of the like basically holy trinity of Hindu gods. And so he's very mm-hmm. pious. He's very serious down to earth he has good morals and he decides to honor his father's old promise so he leaves and his wife Hmm. sita goes with him 
because obviously she loves him a lot. She has undying loyalty and support for her husband. And then his little brother, Lakshman, actually also goes with him. So wow, the, whole family. I know, well, just the three of them, a little trio. <laughs> and uh, so the three of them leave. And after they left, it's said that in the grief of it all and the injustice and just with Rama leaving, uh, the king was so sad that he died two days later. Oh, no. I know. That's so sad. I know. So then the trio is like, you know, traveling deeper into the forest. And at one point they come across this beautiful woman and she's described as thin and slender with beautiful brown eyes and thick, long hair with a sweet, melodious voice. And this was... Alicia, are you describing yourself? (laughs) Yeah, it's me. I'm the demon goddess. Very thick beautifully long hair I mean come on but no so as you probably guessed they're talking about Serpanika the (laughs) theme of our story so she said to have seen Rama and she was so charmed by him and was so in love with his looks and his beauty and the way he carried himself that she just walked right up to him and begged him to marry her uh, other versions wow. say that very forward. I know very forward. Other versions say that she tried to make advances on him, but he repeatedly rejected her, even telling her that he had taken a vow to only have one wife because it was practiced at the time to have multiple. But he said that he would only have one, mm-hmm. and it would only be Sita. And then he's like, "Hey, but you, you can marry my brother." And so she turns to Lakshman, and she's like. Hey, and he's like, no, no, I've taken a temporary vow of celibacy. I cannot marry you. Go to Rama, go back. And then they basically like ping pong her back and forth. And then she realizes that they're making fun of her. Um, They are taunting her. Yes. And so she gets upset and she attacks Sita. And obviously that's not going to work. No one's going to be happy with that, especially not these two. And so Lakshman... Mm -hmm cuts off her nose and ears oh my god just a quick chop chop so she's crying she's bleeding she's unwell yeah and i think in the version that i used to read as a kid i'm pretty sure she like turns from this like beautiful maiden into her true like demon form which is like supposed to be really grotesque and like she has a very round belly and like really gross skin and she smells bad like typical witch looking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She turns into that and she's like sad. So she flies back home to Lanka, which is like modern day Sri Lanka, but at the time it was Lanka. And Ooh. that which she flies back yeah, home. Yeah, she's a demon. So she's got wings too? Don't ask me that question. I don't know. That wasn't in the comic. <laughs> Maybe she can fly without wings. She's magical. That's what it is. Magical That's demon. what it is. That doesn't matter. So she gets home. <laughs> and Lung- the kingdom of Lanka is at the time ruled by Ravana, who is her brother. And Ravana okay. is the demon king. He's super, super famous. He has seven heads. It's like very intense. Ooh. This is like a known thing about him. And basically she runs home to him and he's pissed. He's like, no. And he vows to avenge her. And so he sets a trap to distract Ram and Lakshman and sends them away. And he kidnaps Sita. Oh no. I know. So Sita is now in the hands of the demon king. 
and things basically just like get crazy from here. A big war is brewing. Hanuman, this like half human, half monkey dude shows up. There's an epic battle. And all of this is because of one woman. How do you feel, Charlotte? I am shook that she started an entire war. Yeah. Because her brother stole. I want to know, like, what he did with the wife after he stole her now. Like, did he marry her? Like, that happens in a lot of epics. Is it, like, yeah, you're not right. No, he, um, he, just, he just imprisoned her. Like, it wasn't even a bad imprisonment. She, like, was just on his, like, grounds, like, in his kingdom. Oh, she was just chilling. Yeah, she was Jay chilling. Uh, that's good. I'm glad. I'm glad she wasn't like in pain or tortured. No, 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 no. She was just chilling there. But um, but then I want to know like what Serponica was doing also during this war. Which is just that's like, a great question. Out, I do not know what she was doing. Like I do not know. I don't remember. I don't think yeah. I ever found out. She like was truly. This was like the only thing she did in this epic. So interesting. So basically she is just like a character made to be like an instigator. Yeah. And then looked at badly. And then her story doesn't matter anymore. But I want to know what happened to her. So that's that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is unfortunate. It is. And I think, you know, I was like reading into different takes on this story and trying to unpack it from different lenses and a feminist lens. And and in this original story, Serpanica is obviously being portrayed as nothing more than like a love thirsty demon woman monster but what if Mm -hmm. we flipped the script in classic feminist fashion and looked at her Mm -hmm. as a woman that we could humanize maybe as like a woman in love or a woman craving love how does that change Mm -hmm. the way that you see her I mean she kind of just sounds like any woman like that especially in like olden times it's not like you dated people like people would meet and get married so I feel like it's not that weird for a character in an ancient epic to be like to meet someone and fall in love instantly and then ask to get married like it's a very common story mm-hmm. and then but in this case she's like shamed for it because the men like don't find her interesting or beautiful or whatever like they don't want to get married and instead of respectfully just being like no, they just make fun of her. So it's like making fun of her for like having the courage, I guess, to step up and like ask for love and like put her like best foot forward, I guess. Um, which in today, that kind of like how women like don't propose if you're in like a heterosexual relationship, it's like looked down on for a woman to propose because you don't mm. know if like you're being crazy or like if you're more in love than like the man or something, because you proposed mm-hmm. first, that's kind of how this story feels that like she was the one who like confessed love and not the man. Mm-hmm. And the man looks at her like, wow, I can't believe you're like that crazy to do that. And then makes fun of her. And then they have like, you know, the moment where she like explodes a little bit and like attacks Sita, um, which is interesting. But like, I feel like that's just them trying to trying to like portray the image if she's like actually crazy because she's attacking someone for no reason but 
I feel like she's just hurt. Mm-hmm. She's trying to like put some, have somewhere to like put her anger. And like in that instance, like maybe the men are too scary. And, you know, if she actually attacked her, what does that mean? Like she just like said something to her or if she actually like attacked her, like things like that. Yeah, no, totally. I think like yeah. all of those things are interesting points and they tie into, it was like interesting in one analysis I was reading. Um, they, like I was reading that forming Serpunica as this evil woman was kind of, it can be seen as almost like a patriarchal strategy to justify mm-hmm. socially rejecting her and then like cutting off her nose and her ears. Oh my God, I forgot about that yeah. part. Been, like, what the heck? I know. <laughs> and they're just like, she's evil and therefore it's okay for us to like mutilate her basically. And then they mocked her. Like you're saying, they like mocked her for her desire to receive love, which is like not a thing that we do like, or that we, we don't traditionally say that it's okay to do that, but because she was evil and like a seductress, it was not okay that she wanted to receive love and painting her in this like this way that she's like lusting over someone it's like how is she supposed to know that you know this man is like taken yeah but also like I think it is looked down on a lot in today's society to be looking for love like people who were looking for a relationship people are like oh calm down like can't you just like not kind of thing and it's like what's wrong with someone looking for love like looking for someone to care about them um then also the demon point I totally forgot about this. I had it in my mind and then it slipped. It's been a a long day. Um, It's just like the typical narrative of like women are like demons underneath the skin. And like, there's just putting it on a pretty face. It's like a show Mm -hmm. to get what they Mm -hmm. want. They don't get it. And then like the real side of the demon comes out. And that's exactly what this story is. And then I was even more shook when she goes home and her brother is the king of demons. So like in the story, like she's truly like a demon that's like, like she like through blood is a demon, I guess. Yeah, I mean, she's like actually a like demon. She like, yes. It's not like she became a demon. It's not like she had some God or something that like cursed her and she became a demon because of this. Like that's who she was already at the core. So it's really twisting this idea of like who who she is. Yeah. So and that, that part was and crazy. something like she really is. A demon. She is. She is. And I think something about that too, that's interesting is like, she was looking for love so much though, that she was willing to not be her true self. Like this demon, she yeah. was like willing to put on a pretty face and like be attractive to these yeah. like human men in order to like receive love, which I think also says a lot about like what women are like willing or not willing to do to kind of attain affection and care. Also like another take that I saw was that like, if a woman is making sexual advances on a man in a masculine way, that's not okay. But because, you know, you have to be shy and be coy and like bashful. And another take I read that I also liked was that I wasn't even that she was being like aggressive in her advances, but she was being confident. No yeah. opinion was, was that like, she was, yeah, she was like, this is what I want. And he was like alarmed by her boldness. 
and rejected mm-hmm. her. So just like a lot of different ways to read the situation. I thought that was interesting. I was just going to say the confidence part is very true that people sometimes get scared by confidence and people will be like, oh, you intimidate men because like your personality. It's like, okay, well, that sounds like a, their problem. Not a <laughs> yeah, problem. That's, like, that's a them problem. I know. And yeah. like talking about the confidence too and like juxtaposing that to like the shy, coy, kind of bashful approach to women. I'm wondering your thoughts on the like Sita- Serponica dichotomy and like their dynamic. How like Sita is seen as more of like the shy, mm-hmm. quiet wife who gets attacked and then stolen away. Mm-hmm. And then a whole war starts over her, the need for her or whatever. That's what reminds me of the whole like Helen of Troy story is that it's like this beautiful wife who's quiet and like treasured by this like wonderful king, even though he didn't go on to be a king um, because he was exiled by his aunt but it's fine um I'm like seeing that that's like what Sita is like she's like this this beautiful woman who's like perfect and everyone's gonna chase after her you know yeah as opposed to Serponica who's literally a demon and people are like that's not okay because you're too confident it sounds like she's a demon just because she like knows what she wants and she's an independent person yeah I think what's interesting about their dynamic too is like there's a clear like good woman bad woman vibe um, yeah. and obviously Sita is this like submissive, agreeable woman. She's like the epitome of womanhood, unconditionally sacrifices for her husband. She's willing to be exiled for 14 years from her homeland, like all this stuff. She's like truly the representation of a woman's role in patriarchal Hindu society. And Serpanika is like mm-hmm. the antithesis of that. And like, don't get me wrong, this is like my favorite epic, but I would be amiss to say that it's perfect and and I found this like interesting quote that I thought I would end on it's from Adrienne Rich who is an American poet who actually Mm. said so she said revision the act of looking back seeing with fresh eyes of entering an old text from a new critical direction is for women more than a chapter in cultural history it is an act of survival. Mm, I know. I like that. I like that a lot. I almost saved that for like the end of our mini series because I feel like that was a really good <laughs> way to describe what the whole series is. But I actually wanted to leave it here yeah. so that as we move forward, we kind of think about our next like episodes in that way too. If you liked this episode and you want to subscribe, you should. And you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you'd like to do that. Yeah, and you can also follow us on social media. We have our Instagram and Facebook, which are at From Scrubs to Scrubs, and our Twitter, which is at FSTS underscore podcast. And you can also check out our website for more information, which is from scrubs.com. And lastly, here's to the women who have fought for us to be where we are today. And then we do the same for those who come after us. Yay, see you next time. Yay.